I'm Tracy Bingaman. I'm a full-time working mom of five who got sick, burned out, quit my job, and now I teach women how to mom smarter, not harder. The pressures of modern motherhood are intense. You're a busy working mom juggling all the balls and living in fear of dropping the exact wrong one. Here you'll find the tools you've been searching for to confidently prioritize your life and optimize your ability to rock all the hats that you choose to wear. I'll show you how to break through your limiting beliefs so you'll have more time and more money than you know what to do with. Because even in the busiest seasons of life, you can grow to master your money, own your time, and be the mom with all the margin. This is Fulfilled as a Mom. Tis the season for summer travel, and boy, does it look different for me these days than when my college bestie, Sarah, and I flew from Pennsylvania to Hawaii to run a half marathon during spring break when we were in PA school. I think we decided maybe a couple of months beforehand that we were just going to trek all the way from the East Coast of the United States to Hawaii. I had no idea at the time how far Hawaii was from California. Seriously, we had changed planes in Cali and I thought it would be like an hour to get to Hawaii, which is not true. We got in at like 2 a.m. the day of the half marathon. We slept for approximately 15 minutes and then we were up and lacing up our sneakers for the race. We walked several miles to the start line and this was pre-Uber or at least before we knew about such things. Not thinking that we then have to walk back to the hotel after we ran. It was approximately 200 degrees and 300% humidity that day. Sure, we'd been training, but we had also been attending rotations and studying for tests and living our best 22-year-old lives at the time. We came, we raced, we might have vomited because we were so exhausted, and then we had to walk back to the hotel. So (laughs) it was not the finest moment of planning, but boy, what a great trip we had. Once we recovered from the jet lag state and the overwhelming lactic acid in our muscles, we could finally relax and enjoy ourselves. We chilled in lawn chairs, we hiked to waterfalls, we explored volcanoes, we did the touristy luau thing, the whole nine yards. We read books and sipped cocktails. In short, we'd had nearly zero responsibilities and we talked about all the things and we enjoyed the sand, the sun, and the surf. We ate delicious food and slept soundly. And even as I'm describing it, I can feel what that felt like. And now that is nothing like my life now because traveling with kids is not the same as traveling with adults. So we have been intentional about taking our kids places and doing things that we would have done, but it is hands down 180 degrees different than traveling alone or as a group or a couple of adults. We just returned from family vacation as a family, and we trekked 500 miles with the kids in the car to visit my family in rural Maine. We hung out at the lake I grew up on. The kids were able to swim, kayak, explore, catch frogs, try to catch fish, and ride in Pop-Pop's motorboat and more. This trip was in stark contrast to the trips I've taken before little ones showed up. But here's what we've realized. We want our kids to experience different places. We want them to see different parts of the country, different cultures, and different countries. We want them to know how to navigate the airport and what it feels like to finally reach your destination after a long day of travel. 
We want them to develop the tools so that when they leave our home, that they are comfortable and confident to explore the world near and far if they choose to do that. Today, I'm sharing my best travel tips for families with young kids. First up, air travel. When you're flying with young kids, there are so many things to consider. First, car seats. Getting car seats through the airport and onto the plane is a headache. It's a huge pain in the ass. But we found these car seat travel carts, which is essentially this black folding seat that collapses. And you can uh, strap your car seat through it, and then you can wheel your car seat through the airport. Yes, when our kids were little, we traveled both with infant and convertible car seats that we strapped into the plane seats. I know that a lot of people have kids in their lap under the age of two on airplanes, but having them in their own seat gave us a little bit of breathing room. It gave them their own space. And I felt infinitely safer during takeoff and landing to have them strapped in and secure and safe FAA approved car seat than in our arms. Here's the way that I see it. I wouldn't drive to the corner pharmacy in our town to pick up cough medicine with my kiddo in my arms, so why would I wanna be in an aircraft during takeoff and landing with them in my arms? Call me crazy or you know, safety conscious to the max, but that's what we did. It is a pain to get the car seats installed in the plane, so take advantage of pre-boarding for families with young children when they call pre-boarding, take advantage of that busy working mom. I used to wear it like a badge of honor. Then I realized that I was drowning in to-dos and running around like a lunatic, all because this key piece was missing. I wasn't clear on what my deeply held values were. And when everything's important, nothing is important. Now that I've done the work and figured out what I value most, it makes life so much easier. Those core values serve as the compass for the direction of my life, and they inform my heck yes and my hell no responses to each and every opportunity. I've taken the process to curate core values and boiled it down into three simple steps. I've laid out the exact process to gain clarity so you can start applying your deeply held values to -to day-to-day life. To start living a purpose-driven life full of what you love and void of all that other shit, download your core value curator today. The link's waiting for you in the show notes. When we flew with our kids, we had a backpack for the kids with snacks and toys, and we had a separate backpack for us with changes of clothes, diapers, wipes, etc. The best advice I have is to pack all the snacks for the plane. Um, I've actually never specifically done this, but I saw someone share the other day to get a big pill container with like AM and PM openings and put tiny finger foods that your kids like in each pocket kind of like a non-perishable charcuterie board and a fine motor activity topped off with the fact that your kids will be entertained and fed. It travels well and it kills time, which is essentially a win-win-win in my book. For toys, we tried to have a couple of new toys for each kid, something small, maybe magnetic, entertaining, and relatively quiet. Things that have worked well for us while traveling, books, coloring items, magnet color boards that you erase, um, tiny magnets that you build with, little like rubber ducky toys and things like that. Also, with little ones either nursing or having them have a bottle or a cup of water, that swallowing motion can help with ears and pressure in their ears. For older kids, working on teaching them to pop their ears when the change in pressure is something that we worked on at home before we even got to the airport. 
You can have them chew, open their mouth real wide, hold their nose and blow to help relieve that pressure. And it won't be scary to them because you will have talked to them about it in advance. Oh, and one more note on air travel. Kids make noise. That may be news to you, but kids do in fact make noise. And we did our absolute best to keep it down to a dull roar, as my dad would say, but they occasionally cried or yelled or weren't generally thrilled about being trapped in a big metal tube up in the air. And that's okay. It happens. All right. Switching gears a little bit. I want to talk about road trips or driving with kids. Road trips always seem like so much fun when you see them in movies or on TV, and I've realized why. When you're watching a movie or TV, you know it's different than real life. They cut out all of the nonsense in between. So if you're watching a TV um, show or a movie and they have someone road tripping, the only time they're gonna show you those people is when something exciting happens. And there in real life, there's a whole lot of passing time or nothing in between things like stopping or a kid pooping. (laughs) Trust me. We try to always manage expectations as best we can before days of travel. So the older our kids get, the more they can understand things like how long we'll be traveling and what to expect from the day. So when we drive to visit Maine, it's about 500 miles to get from our home to where my parents and my sister live. It takes us on average about 10 hours to get there. So our kids know this and as they get better and better about understanding things like time and math, we share more and more with them about how far we are into the journey. So when we were driving this time, our kids could from the back seat see the GPS in the front of the car. And on it, they could see the number of miles and the time left until we arrived at Grammy and Pop-Ups Lake. So we would do, try to make it fun and do math problems with them and celebrate things like we are halfway there and we only have two hours left and we try to make it as fun as we can. This time, because they could see the GPS, we were really not that far from home, like less than an hour into our trip, like 60 miles from home. And they saw like a little on the GPS because they can see the picture this little retaining pond and like some development near where we were driving. And they're like, is that the lake? And Dan and I looked at each other like, oh God, they, we have nine more hours. Like they think we're almost there. <laughs> and we definitely were not almost there, but they were actually quite entertained by the navigation system. Like, what's that? That's an off ramp to the interstate. So we got a little bit of entertainment out of that. So when we packed the car, We have two things, very similar to air travel, in a place where we can reach or the kids can reach. And those two things are snacks and toys. Do you sense a pattern here? Uh, We don't tend to do a lot of technology, although if your kiddos are into tablet games or old enough to watch movies and be engaged with them on their own, that is a great way to pass the time while you're on the road. During this most recent trip, we had like a section of reading time. Our oldest was able to read to himself for like an hour while our younger two colored with crayons. And then I was like, it's snack time. (laughs) So reading time is over, now it's snack time. So I handed out snacks 
And I am not above making snack time notable by asking them who can make their tiny pack of gummies last the longest or having them count how many bites it takes to get to the bottom of their pretzel stick. So the name of that game is distraction. If I can distract them from the fact that we are still in the car and not stopping, then we can get further before we need to take our next pit stop. We do stop frequently for things like bathroom breaks and to stretch our legs. No joke, we were driving, we stopped at Wendy's getting lunch on the way north uh, this time that we took our trip. And I took the kids, like Dan's like waiting for the food, I took the kids over to a corner of the dining area and we did like group stretching where we're like reaching up and marching in place and doing jumping jacks and we played a very small relatively tame game of walking freeze tag because it's hard to sit in the car for 10 hours in one day and I'm an adult. So helping them to move their bodies and get some of that energy out makes for a more pleasant ride after that. So not all of our kiddos are nappers, but we do typically if we're on the road after lunchtime when it's our youngest nap time, we have quiet time. We turn on spa music on the radio and declare there will be absolutely no talking for the next hour. I give you no guarantees that this will work. I would say on our most recent trip, it had approximately a 50% success rate, as in one way, some of them slept, and on the other way, none of them slept during nap time, and it honestly wasn't that quiet. But it's better than the 0% success rate, and it made for less cranky kids when we arrived if they did sleep. So here is the bottom line about traveling with kids. It's not as fast as traveling with adults, and it might not be as fun as traveling with just adults. You need to leave more time for fun, more margin for error, and plan for more stops and more entertainment and more snacks. I used to be able to make that 500-mile trip to my parents' house from college in eight hours. I think one time I made it in like seven and a half hours, which I feel comfortable saying because I don't think that they can retroactively pull you over for speeding over a decade later. And on those eight hour trips, I would leave at like 3.30 or 4 a.m. to make sure I avoided traffic. I would stop one time and one time only to get gas, pee, and grab something to eat at about 300 miles into the 500 mile trip. I would blast music or listen to an audiobook on CD-ROM where you had to, it says ding, next disc. I'd take it out, put the next CD in. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and I would just cruise. I would just keep going, keep going. No one asked me for a snack. No one was potty training. No one had questions about if 18 wheelers truly had 18 wheels and why there are different brands and different colors of cars around us. No one cried because their sock was wrong. It was a different set of conditions entirely, and it would be unreasonable to expect that with three young kids in tow, I would be able to do the exact same thing. Speaking of what time you leave, if you are traveling in the car, try to figure out what works best for your family. We are a crew of early risers, and we like to be pulling out of the driveway no later than 5 a.m. if we can swing it. We like to get on the road to drive into daylight, but some people like to drive into the night. And if that is you, you have to figure out what works for your family, depending on who is traveling with you. If people are napping, if kids are sleeping, you may find that leaving in the evening works better for you. 
So there are my tips on travel with kids by air and by land with little ones in tow. The best tip I have, whether it's during the traveling part of the vacation or the meat and potatoes of the vacation itself, is to give yourself and the kids grace. They're out of their element and routine and the same is true for you. Expect delays and slip ups and imperfection and you'll do great. Whether you're listening to this on a road trip while you wait for your flight or you're simply dreaming of the next trip you take, I would so appreciate it if you could take a a moment, head to iTunes and leave a five-star review. It's like a virtual high five of thanks and it helps other moms like you to find me. If you're catching this on YouTube, I would be so grateful if you'd subscribe, like, and share this episode. I will catch you next time on Fulfilled as a Mom. And in the meantime, happy traveling. Enjoy those memories with your kids because you only have little ones once and sitting at home is honestly not that much fun with them. So enjoy. I'm doing a victory dance right now because you did it. You took the time to tune in, to reach for a better life and to take care of you. Did our time together go by way too fast for anyone else? Head to fulfilledasamom.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's show. You now have the tools and knowledge to change your life. Go blaze your trail, take that step, make the shift, and do the work to create fulfillment in your life today.